So we're talking about the, the truth uh, about God's character, and uh, we know He's all-powerful. Amen. He is all-knowing, amen, yes. and He is everywhere present. And so we're looking at that as a foundation and then talking about specific attributes of His character, because as we talked about this, and I'll just review this, why is it important to understand and know God's character and nature? Well, first of all, His character and nature reveals God's methods of dealing with mankind. If you don't understand His nature and character, you won't understand how He deals with mankind, and you'll misinterpret some things. Um, just read a story today about somebody, a young person, uh, who about 20, 20 years old, died of, of lep uh, epilepsy, and the family is kind of confused about the whole thing. And the first thing somebody did is, I don't understand why God does the things He does. Well, first of all, God's not the author of epilepsy. Amen. He didn't cause her to, to die. He caused her to live. But if you don't know the nature of God, you will lay at His charge things He's not responsible for. If you do know His, His nature, then you will praise Him for what He does and recognize that it's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Does that make sense? If you don't know His nature, you won't be able to discern who's doing what in the world. And I'll tell you what, we need to know more than ever who's doing what. God's not the, the killer. He's, the, he's not the destroyer. He's the giver of life. But that's what happens when you're fed this nonsense for years upon years and passed down from generation to generation. It's not just a small thing. Well, they blame God. Well, God's a big God. Sure He is, and I'm sure He doesn't take it personally. That's not the point. The point is our view of God is skewed. God's view of God is not skewed. Amen. He knows who He is. Amen. That's not the problem. The problem is we don't understand His dealings in the earth if you don't know His nature. But boy, once you understand His nature... And that He's not flaky. Come on, say, God, God is not flaky. Is not that He's going to be consistent in how He deals with His people within the parameters of how the Word reveals what those characteristics of His nature actually are. Number two, His character and nature reveal God's will for mankind. If you don't know His nature, His character, you'll never understand His will. In fact, the Word of God, of course, and God are one. And when you see something happening, you can tell what His will is by His nature, by His character. How many you know that we can discern the devil's will by His character and nature? Does that make sense? The Bible calls Him what? A liar? A thief? A murderer? Amen. He's a liar from the beginning. Why? That is the nature that He possesses. Well, our God is the opposite of that. Amen? He's a truth teller. He's not a what? Thief. He's a giver. He's not a killer. He's a life giver. In fact, he's into life so much that he sent his son. You and I would live forever in his presence. Do you know how much revelation is coming out these days about heaven? What comes next? There's only one reason that would be so. God's getting ready to wrap this thing up. And inquiry minds want to know. Amazing stories. You know, Keith Moore had a had a vision, and he, he actually went to heaven, and he was on some kind of a supernatural motorbike, you know, barreling down the streets of heaven towards this kind of, you know, a public mallway or something like that. And people came up to him as he got off that device, and they're calling out to him, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, do you remember me? And they would tell him about the messages and the series that he preached and how it changed their life. Walking up and thanking him, people already in heaven. And he looked down the road a little bit, and there was somebody who looked very, very familiar to him. He said he was about 29, 30 years old or so. He said it was his dad who was already in heaven. Heaven's real, folks. If you think the seat that you're sitting on right now is real, heaven is real. God, everything he said about it is real. 
And he walked up to him and they embraced. And he said, the first question my dad asked me was, how's the ministry going? That's where his heart was. How so-and-so doing? No, how is it going with the ministry? Because once you get to that other side, you know that nothing matters more than getting people saved in the kingdom of God. That's why we exist as a fellowship and as a church. Turn to somebody and tell them, nothing more important than making it hard to go to hell for Murray, Kentucky. Well, you know what? When you don't know God's nature and character, you'll never understand His will. Number three, His character and His nature reveal His example for mankind. He told us, be imitators of God as dear children. Uh, people used to tell me when uh, Timothy was little, he walks just like you. <laughs> Where did he get that from? Um, <laughs> he has a wonderful spirit about him. He has a faithfulness and a, and a servant's heart and a steward's heart for the things of God. And I can tell you that this, is, this works in the natural in terms of things that are deposited. But more important than anything, you and I are supposed to emulate the character of God. Yes, His values, His priorities, but first and foremost, the character of God. So while we're doing this series and this series of talks about the character of God, for example, if I talk about that God is merciful, that's not where the story ends. The story continues with you and I saying, God is merciful, therefore I should be merciful. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. For example, he says, be holy for I am holy. holy. Same principle, be merciful because what? I am merciful. So it's important we understand that. And then when we see the character and the nature of Jesus, we have seen the character and the nature of God. Don't let anybody tell you that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. When you see... It encounters with God in the Old Testament. You're actually seeing a revelation of theophany of God. And we know that on the earth, the theophany of God is the Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, we know more about Jesus than, than perhaps Abraham did with his encounter and others. We're on the other side of the cross. Aren't you glad for that? But make no mistake about it. God is not just merciful in the New Testament. He's been merciful throughout the Old Testament. In fact, if you'll run the numbers in the years, in the hundreds of years he dealt with nations before they were ever judged, you will find out he's most merciful. And in fact, Isaiah prophesied some, some particularly difficult things for nations that came against Israel, and those things have yet to be fulfilled. Hundreds and hundreds of years now have gone by, and yet those prophecies about those that came against Israel have not been fulfilled. Well, here's the truth. They will be fulfilled. Yes, they will. I said they will be fulfilled. Yes, will. But what's going on right now? Opportunity to repent. Opportunity to get right. Amen. And so I want to encourage you that, uh, as Scripture says, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen what? Say, when I've seen Jesus, I've seen the Father. Now you got to make sure you're seeing Jesus and not a perverted form of Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, of the Word of God. And so the character you see in Him is the same character of God throughout the Old and New Testament. If you don't think that's true, if you see a disconnect between the Old and New Testament, all that means is that you, and this is where you get humble, say humble, all that means is you misunderstand His nature or misinterpret something in one of those two Testaments. Because the God of the Old Testament is what? The God of the New. And He is, of course, merciful, but He's also just in New Church. Aren't you glad? Jesus said to Philip, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you do not know me yet, Philip, nor recognize clearly who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
John 14, 9. How can you say, show us <laughs> the Father? I mean, you know, it'd been tough to be around Jesus on the earth. <laughs> I mean, if you, had, if you said or did something stupid, he immediately called out. I'm sure it was called out in love, but it was called out. Yes, amen. So we're talking about seven important attributes of God. This is not the exhaustive list that you see in the Lord Jesus Christ, but I want you to understand these are of the Father Himself. And we talk, first of all, that God is merciful. Say, He's merciful. And how many know He's gotten us out of a ditch or two? Raise your hand if He's ever gotten you out of a pit. But aren't you glad He's merciful? This old adage, people say, well, you know what? You made your bed, now lie in it. That's not God's attitude. Raise your hand if you ever, if you ever made your bed and it wasn't nice. <laughs> Uh, aren't you glad he didn't have that attitude? You made it, now you just lie it. No, he gets us out of the distress that we openly, sometimes willfully, excitedly even, you know, create the mess in our lives. And he is gracious to get us out of that distress. Now, if that's God's attitude towards us, what should your attitude be towards other people who got themselves in a mess? I can tell you this because it's, it's, a, it's a serious issue in the body of Christ. Don't ever trample the mercy God showed you by not being merciful to somebody else. People going to do stupid things. People are going to hurt your feelings. And I was going to do what you want them to do or say what you want them to do. And they're not just at the workplace. They're in the church. Amen. If you think about it, it's a wonderful opportunity to strengthen your mercy skills. Amen. I've, I've been around long enough to see this where someone has gotten great mercy from God and great mercy from the church. Lift them up, dust them off, bless them, help them, encourage them, financially support them. I mean there. And the first time somebody crosses them in the house of God, no mercy. The first time somebody does something that's wrong in their eyes, no mercy. Instead of them being the lover and the one that's kind and the one that's supportive and the one that's merciful, they'd rather be the one to trumpet the mistake and, and, and broadcast the mistake. And, and basically let everybody else know, well, no, a son did that. It didn't work out too good for him. No, it didn't. Are you here? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive, mercy. they'll obtain mercy. The point is, there are two aspects to this particular series. One is to find out how awesome our God's character is, and celebrate it. Yes. Amen? We need to know our God. The Bible tells us that they that know God do what? Mighty exploits. We need to know Him. We need to understand Him, that He is consistently these attributes, and He doesn't come in and come out of them. He is, that's just the way He is. The second part of this series is for you and for me to take on the challenge of being like He is. If He's merciful, guess what you should be? Merciful. Anybody here running to somebody in the body of Christ, you just you just love to give you just love to deck them for lack of better words. <laughs> They're always going to be there. Now, right now, you can thank God that you didn't. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But that's just the reality. You say, well, they deserved it. That's their material. What did you deserve? The question is, how do you respond to it? Life is really about not what happens, but how you respond to it. Say it with me. I have great mercy. And you say it both. I've been given 
great mercy. I have great mercy. Do you all really mean that? Because I predict you'll have opportunities to demonstrate it. We encourage you strongly to confess biblical principles in this church, but in doing that and confessing biblical principles, you're advertising. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I ain't saying nothing else, bless God. I got done with that. Somebody else can confess the Word of God. I'm out of that. <laughs> so let's move on to the second one today, and that is that God is wise. And how many know that's the truth? It's not just enough to say, well, he's, he's all-knowing. Let's talk more about this. The point is that we understand God's character is wise, and that we also should imitate him. We should also become wise. He's all-knowing, but it's not just knowledge. He always knows what to do. Yeah. Raise your hand if you come across some things and you just didn't know what to do. Yeah. You may be facing a situation right now where you need to know what to do. It's not just he possesses all knowledge about every entity, about every particular discipline, everything that's out there ever will be. He knows it. Not just scripture, but everything in natural life, everything in physical life. He knows it. And he not just knows things, he knows what to do in situations you know that we encounter. He uh, is what? He is wisdom personified. Aren't you glad he's wise? I mean, you do a study of some of these ancient gods you know, that, are, of course, are not real gods, but uh, they're not the brightest bulb in the box. But your God, yes. amen, wise. Yes. Romans 11.33 says this of him, Oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Say, he is wise. Jeremiah 10.12 says, It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His what? By His wisdom. Things are the way they are because He is wise. Amen. Aren't you glad we just don't fly out into the universe somewhere and instantly freeze? We're the exact distance from the sun we need to be. Variations in tilt and, and solar flaring is responsible for different temperatures in different seasons of the earth. It is not cow farts. You really got to check your brain the day we live in because this stuff has become a religion. Oh, how hot it is all over the world. You know what? This has happened before in the history of the world. There have been cooling seasons and hot seasons. And it's pretty arrogant for people to think that they're such a big deal. They're such a big to-do that they're responsible for all this. Now, this is not to say be good stewards of what God has given us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You should take care of the creation. Adam and Eve were put in the garden to tend to not destroy it. Does that make sense? But the reality is this goes beyond just let's just, uh, you know, steward. The, it becomes a religion to control people and what they do. And right now, Ford just reduced $10,000 the price of their trucks, e-trucks, vehicles, their electronic, their electric trucks. I didn't see that coming. Actually, I did see that coming. The reality is that, uh, you know, you cannot slip into this worship of some philosophy at the expense of your honoring God. And that's what's going on across the world. Amen. God's wise. Sometimes people, not so much. Are you here today? <laughs> Look at somebody and say, be a good steward. That's what a wise person would do. But don't worship the creation. 
Sorry to tell you, there's no Mother Earth. Never going to be. Oh, we've upset Mother Nature. Now, if people were half as concerned about, you know, upsetting Father God. Huh? Yes, amen. <laughs> uh, years ago when I was a student, back in the days of Methuselah, uh, you know, Mark used to do something really funny because they'd have Earth Day, and it was all about separating, worshiping what really the Easter season's all about. The resurrection of the one that died for us. Does that make sense? And rose from the dead. They began to, of course, push this, these, these initiatives to worship the earth and, and do all this regarding, uh, you know, how great the earth is. And, and, and you see this on campus all the time. And so uh, Mark had a great idea one time. He had, got a coffin. And while this is all going on, he took it on campus and he put a mirror in the coffin. So when the students would open it up, guess what they would see? And there would be a message there about uh, Jesus saves and, and delivers you from death and still from sin in the grave. You know, as a counterpoint to all this stuff focusing on worshiping the earth. You know, the earth should not be worshiped any more than the chair that you're sitting on. That's right. Did you imagine that? Oh, thank God for my chair. Praise <laughs> the Lord for my chair. Wonderful chair. Nice chair. How stupid can you be worshiping something created? Isaiah got really funny with it and kind of got ticked off, I think, because of what was going on with all the idolatry. And so he said, y'all take a, a log and with half of it, you carve yourselves a God. You give it eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear, and a mouth that can't speak. And then you take the other side of the log and throw it in the fire to warm yourself. Look at somebody and say, that's dumb. <laughs> that's stupid gone to see. <laughs> Who's the creator? Who established the world? Jesus. By his wisdom. The Lord did. Yes, he did. It stays in its proper fixture, you know, its orbit. It stays in a proper alignment. The magnetic fields work the way they do because that's the way that God set them. Yes. How many have heard this one? If all the icebergs melt, all of Manhattan's going to go under, half of Florida's going to go under. Yeah. If I were tonight to take a glass of water with ice in it and let it be, you know, very up to the top of the, the glass to the brim, right? and taught you for an hour and a half, <laughs> and the ice is gone, who thinks that the water is going to be running over the cup? We are talking about first grade physics here. Oh, the icebergs melt and we're all going to get flooded. That has nothing to do with it. When ice melts, it does not change the total volume of the ice where it was. It just changes what? Remember this? What are the three forms of, of water? Liquid, gas, yes. and what? Shazam. This is what happens when you worship a creation. You get stupid. Look at somebody say, don't be stupid. Worship God. And on and on and on and on it goes. But it was with God's wisdom. Amen. Say God's wisdom. He's responsible for that. Praise God. Now what's the challenge for you and for me? To trust that he knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Well, this world's nuts, Pastor, and going on in our country and our government. Uh, it's nuts. It's crazy. All this stuff going on. I didn't say trust your government. Nope. I said trust God. 
He knows what he's doing. They don't. And that part of the White House where they found the cocaine, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I have some church members in this church that sent me some pretty funny memes. I mean, and, uh, and lately I've been getting a lot of them about this cocaine thing. Uh, at any rate, where they found that, there are probably more cameras per you know, foot than anywhere in the world. They know exactly who put it down. They know whose DNA is on. They know the whole kit and caboodle. And then they come out and they say, we can't do anything about this. We don't know anything about it. We don't know whose it is. We don't have any DNA. We don't have any record. Are you kidding me? Do we look that stupid? Apparently they think we're that stupid. And you think Nixon's cover-up was bad? These people are professional. And it's sad because they've already weaponized our FBI, they've already weaponized our CIA, and now our Secret Service is being weaponized to do anything but the interests of this nation. Yeah, it's crazy out there. But you know what? Jesus is still on the throne. Yes, he is. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And there's going to be a day he comes back and claims it all. So your coping confidence can't be. And don't make the mistake of putting your hope and confidence in any politician. You pray and you exercise your vote. You do your duty. You do what you should do. But don't you think that that's the answer to somehow the world's ills? Mm -hmm. Sin is the problem and the only answer is the Redeemer. That's right. Amen. Are you here today? Yes. The whole point about knowing that God is wise is knowing that He's wise enough to take care of everything going on across the world, everything going on in our nation, everything going on in our town, that's it. everything going on in your life. He has the answers, the wisdom for your life, for your marriage, for your business, for your ministry. He has it all. Aren't you glad for that? Say, I trust that he is wise. You see what I'm saying to you? We know that intellectually, but to know it by revelation and see that, well, if he is that wise, then what am I worried about? <laughs> your fear, your worry, your doubt, that's evidence that you really don't have that much confidence in his wisdom. Turn to somebody and tell him he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Say it like this. He knows what he's doing, even if I don't. And guess what? We frequently don't. There's an uh, elder in our church when I was a college student. He's been with Jesus now many years, Brother Tripp, this sweet old man. Where Rudy's is now every week, every single, every single day he'd go there to eat his lunch. And uh, just as sweet, just as precious as he could be. And I remember as a baby Christian coming in here because my freshman year it was the same. In six months I got born again in spirit filled. And uh, he used to talk about the unseen hand of God. Well, for the first several months in church, I was looking for it. <laughs> you get talking about this unseen hand. I didn't know anything. <laughs> Amen? Hey, that's not bad. When Jerry Savelle first got bored again, he's reading the Bible. <laughs> he came uh, to his wife, who was kind of helping him, you know, because she'd been saved a long time. And he read this passage about, uh, you know, diverse tongues. And he wanted to know, what, what tongue does a diver speak? You know, <laughs> didn't have a clue. <laughs> And some of y'all have done the same thing. You read something and go, hmm, 
makes you go think. So I'm looking for that unseen hand. But you know what? That unseen hand is the application of the wisdom of God. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not moving on your behalf. I may still believe in the blessing of God and the favor of God. It may not be seen. I don't see it all the time. Amen. But there are those occasions, right, where you begin to see his glory, his manifested presence, power and goodness. And he reminds you he'd been working all the time. Tell somebody with a smile he is working in your life. You can trust him. Glory to God. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that you have to have everything figured out. I think that's what faith is. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And He knows it all. Big and small. He can show you how to fix something, take care of something, find something. The other day, I'm my own business. I got a text from Kelly. and She said, you know, my, my favorite plastic hair clip, it's about that big. <laughs> And I said, I know exactly the one you're talking about. In fact, what I told her, I said, the 70s called and they want their clip back. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, I don't know where it's at. And then she takes it. She said, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit, just, she's riding down the, down the road. She said, I believe the Holy Spirit told me that I clipped it to a shirt and it's in dirty clothes. So, you know, me having an inquiry of mine, I went into the hamper and Pulled out a shirt, and guess what was attached to the shirt? That clip. Now, all kinds of thoughts went through my mind at that moment. This is a great opportunity to get rid of that clip. <laughs> She'd just get more of it, wouldn't matter. They would multiply. They'd multiply. But I want you to think about that. How wise is he? From the biggest thing you could possibly deal with That's it. to something seemingly insignificant, a few pennies of plastic, mm -hmm. and everything in between. That's right. There is nothing he does not have knowledge about and nothing that he does not have wisdom about. I've done the same thing. I've asked him, you know, where car keys were, checkbooks were. I've asked him all the time. You know, I, I grew up, you know, under Mark Randall's mentorship in college campus ministry. He was always losing something. I mean, every week it was the checkbook was missing. He used to buy reader's glasses by the dozen. That lasts about a week. <laughs> They'd be left everywhere. So you would learn, you know, how to do this. I told you my, my sister taught me this firsthand when she found a contact in the trash. Praying in the Holy Ghost. He knows exactly where you put it, knows exactly where you left it, knows exactly what's going on. He knows it all. And you can trust him. Yes. Come on, say, he knows it all. He knows it all. And uh, I even saw you know, flashes of this in, in my son early on in his development as a Christian. He recently sent me some pictures. He gave me one of those uh, digital frames. You know, you put hundreds of pictures on there. It kind of rotates like that. It's the coolest thing in the world. And then uh, Kelly has access to it, which means she gets to put 1,000 pictures when she takes a picture of Juliana, it's not one picture. She found out that she can take 100 pictures with an iPhone in a split second. <laughs> but it's the coolest thing in the world. And one of those pictures, actually there's two of them, was a picture of, of me, my dad, and him in Williams, Arizona, standing in front of a horse. And what we were about to do, you said we've heard this story before, I'm going to tell it because it points out that it doesn't make any difference how old you are. God's wisdom is available to you. Yes, <laughs> so what you do in Williams is, 
You spend the night in a hotel, you eat dinner there, you get up, you have breakfast there, and then you get on a train that takes you know, to the Grand Canyon. It's a wonderful experience, a wonderful trip. But before you get on that train, you go to an amphitheater where there are some actors. And these actors are portraying outlaws, bandits. And uh, Timothy walks into that amphitheater with cowboy hat on, gun belt and gun, and a marshal's badge. It didn't take long for the lead actor to discern that he was the lawman. And so before we get on that train, he walks up to him and he says, uh, you some kind of a lawman? And Timmy's like, no, no. His eyes now are getting as big as saucers. So we get on the board, on, on board the, the train. We're sitting in our car. They gave everybody complimentary Pepsi. So we're sitting there enjoying the ride. And probably, you know, an hour into the ride, up come six, seven, eight riders. Train stops, and guess which car they board? Yours. They board ours. But at the time he saw that man get off of his horse, he took off his hat. He undid his gun belt. He took off his badge, shoved him in the brim of the hat, and looked at me and said, Here, Dad, you hold on to these. <laughs> in other words, it's okay if you get shot <laughs> in the eyes of a seven-year-old. Uh, where does that come from? Amen. Who would have thought something like that? Praise the Lord. He loves when I tell that story. So y'all, you make sure you, you tell him. Uh, <laughs> he told that story again. Make sure he knows. <laughs> but look at something I say. You some kind of a law man. Um, yeah, come down here and, and shoot me. Who cares? You know, you got the evidence. <laughs> He wasn't a marshal very long, Wes. <laughs> Not at all. Turn to somebody and say, the wisdom of God. This is illustrated in Jesus' ministry. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read you a section of Luke chapter 20. <laughs> you see this operated in Jesus' life all the time, the wisdom of God. One day in verse 1, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law together with the elders came up to him, tell us by what authority you are doing these things. They said, who gave you this authority? He replied, now watch, here's the wisdom. I'll also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. You see this again. Say it with me. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Jesus is about to heal a man. They let him through the roof, you know, and they exercise their faith together. They get this man in Jesus' presence. And what does Jesus say? Son, thy sins are forgiven. And what does Jesus perceive? He perceives they're saying, who has the authority to forgive sins but God alone? Words out of Jesus' mouth, so you may know the Son of God has authority to forgive sins. I say to you what? Take up your bed and walk. And he did. This was, you know, the consistent in his ministry, the unity of a, a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. The knowledge is what's going on. The wisdom is what do you do about it. It doesn't do you any good if you know something and you don't know what to do about that something. Say it with me, I need to know what to do, not just the knowledge. I need to know what to do with that knowledge. Again, just write this down. 
in the process of, of this uh, you know, message, what I want you to do is, is see how to tap into that wisdom of God that's available. If you believe that He is all knowledge and all wisdom, you also have to believe that He wants you to be wise just like He wants you to be holy. Amen. He wants you to be merciful as He is merciful. He wants you to be wise as He is wise. And the Scripture you know, is very plain about how to actually do this. And how many could use some wisdom right now in some area of your life? Raise it up high and say, I receive it. In Jesus' name. Your focus is not on the world. You're looking to where for the wisdom? You're looking to God to get this wisdom in your life. But understand this, that any fear in your life, any flesh, meaning your own efforts to solve it, and you're going to miss the wisdom of God. Is there anybody here that you tried everything before you went to God? Anybody? A few of you don't want to admit that? <laughs> I mean, you tried everything. You actually answered every Facebook ad there was on that topic. And still, there is no resolution to that situation. The, the counsel of God is, don't go to Him last. Go to Him first. I think it was Rufus, Rufus Mosley was in a hotel room as a preacher of the gospel, and he's crying out to God because seemingly things aren't working, finances aren't working. He's crying out to God and belly aching hour upon hour upon hour. And finally, the Lord spoke to him and said, Here lies one who knows nothing, refusing to listen to the one who knows everything. You can try this with your flesh. You're just going to frustrate yourself. Or you can say, that's never worked. Turn to somebody and tell them, that has never worked. <laughs> Why should it work now? So just skip all that and go right to the source of the wisdom. Your fear, your worry is not going to catch this. You're not going to catch the wisdom with worry. You're going to block the wisdom of God with worry. Say it with me. Worry does not produce. Worry blocks the wisdom of God. It's fearful meditation. All you're doing is meditating on everything but the solution. How is that going to produce the wisdom of God in your life? Your flesh won't do it. Number three, fighting won't do it. If you're in strife, stop it. It's blocking the wisdom of God. You know, sometimes you're actually fighting about something that you actually could use the wisdom of God about. You're trying to solve it. You're trying to hold your position. You're trying to make something, you know, happen through your fighting, through your effort. And guess what? It's not doing anything but causing you more strife and problems. Just admit you're not, you know, admit you're infallible, right? That's what you are, is infallible. Yeah. No, you are fallible. That's finally what Ben Franklin said regarding our precious documents as a nation. He looked at those men and he told them, I will that all of you would doubt your own infallibility and put your name on this document. The fighting's not going to produce it. Strife gets you out of love. Love, of course, compromises your faith. You're not going to walk in the wisdom of God when you're running around fighting. So if you're at war with somebody, even in your heart, can I have an amen? amen. Even where? Even in your heart, knock it off and repent of that and move on. And you'd be amazed at the flow now of His wisdom and revelation that comes into your heart. You know, this is uh, kind of an extra thing, but how do you like revelation when it, when it hits your heart? You're reading the Word of God, you're sitting under the preached Word of God, and all of a sudden, wham, something hits you. Isn't that a precious thing to have? Yes. You know yeah. what? When you're in strife with somebody, you block that. That's true. That is true. You've been in church a while and look at somebody and say, and I have been. You'll find people that are at war with others and they'll sit in church and they'll receive nothing for months and they'll go, well, I'm just not being fed. 
Jesus himself couldn't feed you. You are blocking revelation with your strife. And until you deal with that, you're not going to receive much from him. And the same thing when it comes to the wisdom of God. Say it with me. No fear. No fear. Say no fear. No flesh. No fighting. Those are foundational principles for you tonight. That's what the Word says about the wisdom of God. Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. What does He do with wisdom? He gives it. Ephesians 5.15 and 16, Be very careful that how you live, not as unwise. How you know there's a way we can live that's unwise? But as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do you believe the days are evil that we're living in? Well, we need to be wiser, not less wise. The further we progress into the end of all things, we need to be increasing in the wisdom of God. Ecclesiastes 2.16, To a person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, chasing after the wind. Have you ever heard the concept there's an end-time transfer of wealth? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. It's the same principle here. Make sure that you're the just. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, don't take your cues on what you believe. You know, some from Facebook crackpots and armchair theologians. Amen. And so-called discernment ministries who couldn't discern past the end of their nose. People telling you that God doesn't want you to prosper. Why? They have a net worth of 25, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. First, let them give their wealth away and then make that statement. You have a lot of modern-day Pharisees running around telling people that this one's a heretic and that one's a heretic and this one's a false prophet and that's a false gospel. No, my favorite is the fact that if we believe God will bless us, that's an American gospel even though the word didn't come from America. The people who wrote these things on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost were from the ancient Near East. Hundreds and in some cases thousands of years ago. But if you don't believe exactly like they believe, you're a heretic. I'm telling you, God's not pleased with this. No. No. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes. That's not the wisdom of God. That is not the love of God in operation. And I'm not talking about people who are projecting, you know, a, a new Savior and a new redemption. We're talking about people who believe in the same Lord, the same blood, the same Savior, but they don't believe in all the benefits maybe you believe in, so that makes you a heretic. Well, you know what? If that's what they believe, so be it. It's what God believes and says that really matters in your life. That's right. I just want to encourage you again. You lay hold of everything the Bible says you can have. Amen. I'll take a better amen than that. Amen. You lay hold of everything God says you can have. Yes. You walk in the goodness of God. You demonstrate His goodness in the eyes of other people. So many people need to know this. I've said this before, but several years ago, about 82, 84, the missiologists with the assemblies of God uh, began to research every nation we've gone into with the gospel. These nations didn't have anything. Many of them didn't even wear clothes. They had no machinery. Many of these had, had nothing to speak of. And they went back decades later after the gospel was preached and leaders were saved and people began to get saved. And they noticed that in every single one, this is not my phrase, this is not my book, I didn't write this, I didn't do the study. But in every single case, one of the persons who wrote extensively about this was Dr. Stanley Horton 
Burton, who's written on Acts and Isaiah. He's one of my instructors, a wonderful man of God, but Jesus as well now. But he noted this, and it was documented that in every single place they went, those people experienced a concept they called redemption and then lift. Say that it would be redemption, redemption. and lift. They experienced redemption, and then God lifted them economically. Is that just, you know, happenstance? Of course it's not. Because that's what happens when people get right with God. He takes care of every dimension of their life. He leaves nothing, you know, to, you know, to the, to the chance of the devil of this world. He provides for people. That's outstanding if you think about that. And that's really all we're saying is if you'll get right with God, he'll lift you too. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm experiencing redemption and lift. And it doesn't stop. He'll just keep on lifting you. Your redemption will keep on working for you. But watch for the poison that's out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Watch for it. Stay on the word of God. How to tell if it's godly wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 7. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Everybody say pure. The wisdom is never going to lead you to do something that's what? Impure. It is peace-loving. The wisdom of God is never going to do anything to engender strife, which is what these so-called discernment ministries are doing. All they're doing is stirring up strife. You know, and there's a character in Nashville that's doing more right now, damage to the body of Christ, than anybody I know in this region. Saying the things that he's saying about people of the faith, people that are preaching the gospel, have been faithful for decades. I want you to understand something. you got to watch for that because anytime you see wisdom coming down and it's not producing peace, it's producing strife. Just protect yourself from it. And why, is it, why are they really doing that? Is it because I think I'm theologically correct or maybe it's a little bit of insecurity and jealousy in some people's part. For example, one of Joel's biggest critics has like 2,000 people in his church. Joel has 55,000 people in his church. Theology or jealousy? There's no room for jealousy in the, in the Christian's heart. You just do what you're called to do and be faithful at it. Amen? If it's wisdom, guess what? It's not going to produce as much strife. Now, he did come and he brought a sword between truth and error, right and wrong. Reject Jesus versus accept Jesus. But in the body of Christ, things that are engendering strife, that's not the wisdom of God. I didn't say it. James said it. The one that probably knew Jesus better than anybody else, amen, is his family member. As a leader in the church, it is not just pure. It is also peace-loving. Say it with me. It's peace-loving. Consider it. How about that? Um, the wisdom of God doesn't make you a meanie. <laughs> Have you noticed the ideologues, you know, and, and the heretic hunters? They're mean. Hello. Jesus is what? Nice. <laughs> when you see something coming out and it's just... It's just mean. There's no consideration there. You need to protect yourself. There's godly wisdom and there's what? There's man's wisdom. And you need to know the difference between the two. Say it with me. It's pure. pure. Say it loud. It's pure. It's It's peace-loving. Consider it. Submissive. 
full of mercy. Is that wisdom you're hearing, full of mercy? Or just the opposite? Um, one person said uh, Joel was a devil worshiper. Um, in a round table of reformed theologians, I call them deformed theologians. They actually said this, that uh, don't let your kids listen to Bethel music. Don't let them listen to Hillsong. Don't let them listen to Elevation Church music. Well, that pretty much wipes us out. So, folks, we won't have any worship. We will have no music Sunday morning, okay? We're done. But don't let your kids... Now, first, let me set this up. With great, one of the great teachings is that the miracles and the power of God has ceased with the apostles. It's not there. There are no miracles. There are no gifts. No present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. But here's what they say. If you let your kids listen to Bethel, they will get demon-possessed. Now, just a little bit of, of analysis here. The devil still has power to possess, but God doesn't have any power on the earth right now. These kinds of inconsistencies are in every single major thing that this particular wing of the body crisis is doing right now. And as a shepherd, it's my responsibility to protect you. Take it from me. You'll be blessed if you listen to Bethel. You'll be more in love with Jesus because of what they sing. Things about the blood and intimacy and the, the efficacy of the cross. You'll be blessed by it. And I think their phrase is, it'll send your kids to hell. That sounds peace-loving, doesn't it? And consider it. <laughs> no, you're not doing it the way we prescribe. Last time I checked, it's not about what we prescribe. It's about what he prescribes in his word. Amen. Do I agree with everything that's going on in Bethel? No. At Hillsong? No. At Elevation? No. And they wouldn't agree with everything we do here. <laughs> huh? But look at the things we all have in common. It's so important you understand this. Because a lot of the junk coming down is not the wisdom of God. Just don't let it get into your heart. You'll notice this, that every person that gets sucked into the vortex of the deformed theologian, there's no fruit there. There's no joy there. There's no peace there. There's no victory there. There's no evangelism there. There's nothing but criticism and negativism, criticism and negative and judgment. It is not the wisdom of God. Read the scripture for yourself. The wisdom of God, wisdom from heaven is first of all pure. Say pure. pure. Peace loving. Peace Say peace loving. Peace Considerate. Peace submissive. Peace full of mercy. Good fruit. Impartial. And sincere. If it's really the wisdom of God, it's going to bear some fruit. Amen. We should be fruitful, not fruit loops. Can have an amen. <laughs> but just, just look at that. Where's, where's the fruit? <laughs> I think we all just stick to the word. Amen. I'm telling you that your danger is not Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation worship. The danger of people telling you the Holy Ghost isn't moving anymore. It tells you that we shouldn't go around building people's hopes. That's exactly what we ought to be doing in a hopeless world is telling people there's hope in Jesus and not being ashamed to declare that. Amen. So be careful. Amen. Just because you heard something on Facebook doesn't mean it's true. In fact, let me just challenge you this by prompting of the Holy Ghost. You take John, you take James 3, 7 out every time you're listening to something. 
And if it doesn't pass the James 3 wisdom from heaven test, you get rid of it in Jesus' name. Don't go around being a crusader to say that's not getting into my spirit. And be careful what you're exposing your kids to. And see if I remember Crystal talking about how she go to bed at night listening to Brother Copeland's messages. You want that in your kids' ears. What they can do. Amen. I'm about to get up and preach in this here church tonight. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want people who are going to teach you how to walk by faith. Glory to God. Amen. Let's look at this scripture. And here's the, the point I want to make to you before I tell you how to tap that wisdom. It's not real complicated. The good news is for you and for me that the wisdom of God is readily available and accessible. Say, it is available. It is accessible. We're not talking about man's wisdom. We're talking about heavenly wisdom is available. It is accessible. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 8 says. You want to turn there? Listen, verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance. She cries aloud to you, O people. I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. Does that sound like the wisdom of God is hiding behind a bush? No. He goes on to say in verse 12, I wisdom dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. Put that on a pride flag. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I love insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. The only way to be just is to do so in heavenly wisdom. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor. Enduring wealth and prosperity. Who put that in the Bible? My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. That tells you that if you're walking in wisdom, you'll also be walking in righteousness. If you're walking in wisdom, you'll be walking down a path of justice, of doing what is right. Come on, say, it's right. It's right. It works. Bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. That's what wisdom can do for you. Amen. And it's readily accessible. Hallelujah. And it's available. It's sitting at the crossroads doing what? Hello. It's calling your name. Barb. Yes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> People talk about stuff like, well, you know, you, you can't find it. You can't understand God and his ways. You can't understand his nature and his character. It's all buried. It's hidden there. You can't understand. That's not what this Bible says. It's there on the public street where people exchange money and rules are made and laws are made. Right there is the wisdom available if we'll take it. And look at the impact it'll have on your life. Amen. It'll make you spiritually wealthy. It can also make you materially wealthy. God is able to take care of you in every dimension of your life. Hallelujah. So how do you tap that wisdom? Write this down. First of all, valuing it. You've got to value the wisdom of God. If you don't, then there's no point in talking about it. And it doesn't matter if he's wise. It doesn't matter if he has all wisdom and knowledge. If you and I don't value that. He says in Proverbs 4 verse 1, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. 
Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. So do not forsake my teaching, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Say all my heart. You're reading a scripture of someone who values the wisdom of God. With all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forsake my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. What does it mean? Invest in wisdom. Turn to somebody and tell them, get wisdom. Invest in wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Uh, I think King James says wisdom is the principal thing. Say it with me, it's number one. There's nothing more important in your life than tapping into the wisdom of God. You've got to value it. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she'll exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace to your head and present you with a glorious crown. Turn to somebody and say, I value the wisdom of God. Now, you know what? Our lives, our time, our effort, our priorities go in the direction of the things we value the most. Your life this week is, is showing what you really value. What have you been doing with your extra time? What have you been doing in terms of your development as a believer? What have you been doing with the Word of God? If you value it, it's going to cause your priorities to adjust to that value. If we value other things, that's where we're going to invest. Amen. Number two, asking for it. It's real complicated. Asking for it. How can somebody tap into the wisdom of God? Do we have to find a treasure map and then follow it? And maybe we find a chest at the end of it or, or, you know, a great big, uh, you know, thing of gold at the end of a rainbow. Is that how this works? We have to go on some kind of archaeological expedition like Indiana Jones and find some artifact and then we'll have the wisdom of God. We have to solve some great mathematical equation and then boom, now we can have the wisdom of God. Do we have to be in church for 50 years? Do we have to be saved 100 years? Do we have to have the best giving record in the church? Is that what it's all about? Or do we just have to ask? Watch this. The God who is infinite in wisdom tells us all we have to do is ask. <laughs> that means that sometimes you and I are purposefully dum-dums. Because if we don't have the wisdom and then we don't ask, does that make sense? What does James say? James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Amen. So how do you get it? Ask. You ask. Hey, Father, I, uh, I need some wisdom in this area. That's complicated. <laughs> the question is, why don't we do this more often? Amen. We'll take a poll. Uh, we'll Google it. Hello? That's true. You know what doctors hate more than anything in this world? Google. Google. <laughs> Dr. Google. Amen. It's, it's not, uh, you know, four years of college, four years of medical school, three to five of internship and residency. All you have to do now is just Google something and you're an expert. <laughs> no. 
everything we try first, and then, well, you know, maybe God knows what to do. Do you know that when you first started going down the path of you trying to figure it out, God knew what you should do? All you had to do is what? Well, I got to serve for 30 years, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. Well, all you got to do is ask, and he gives without upbraiding. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, let's just break it down to its simplest you know, form here. It doesn't say, you're stupid for asking me that. Right. You ought to know better than that. What's wrong with you? He gives it without what? Without criticism, without accusation, without demeaning. And he gives it what? Liberally. Some of y'all in this room here, you need it liberally. You need more wisdom than the average Christian. That's a good thing. How do you get it? I ask him and he gives it without upbraiding and he gives it liberally. But watch the caveat here in this scripture. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Have you ever heard that scripture? An unstable man, double-minded man. It specifically applies to the pursuit of wisdom. Pursue God's wisdom by asking Him but don't spend your time while you're waiting going back and forth and continuing to take a pull and trying to figure this thing out yourself. Learn to ask and then rest. Look at somebody and tell them, ask, ask. and then rest. And who he takes too long, so i got to fix it. Now watch this. You say it takes too long, so you spend the next two weeks messing up further. Now you got to go back to God and say, well, what I originally needed wisdom for, now I need more wisdom because I wasn't smart enough to wait for you to give me the wisdom. And end up causing more of a problem here. Anybody here made a problem bigger? Huh? Okay. <laughs> I've got to trust that He is all wisdom and that He He is a He is a God who doesn't lie to us. Is it a financial issue? Is it a family issue? Is it a marital issue? Is it a health issue? What are you supposed to do? God, what should I do here? That boldly ask God what you should do. Not just knowledge, but the specifics, the details, the plan, the sequence. What should I do? He'll give it to you. Amen. Amen. Say it. I got to value it. I've got to ask for it. And then stay on it. Not double-minded. It literally means a man of two minds. A man of two brains. Yeah, I want to know what God thinks, but I'm going to continue to rest on the arm of flesh here and what other people think. No, you need to go and just apply what God says. And if you don't get the full measure of it, trust in what He's already told you and trust that He's going to reveal the rest. Amen. Number three, download it. Download it. How do I do that? <laughs> this is what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Now, this is something that uh, you know, Oral Roberts uh, taught years ago, and I want you to get this down. And it just so happens that uh, Rita was in this week, and, and we were talking about that same thing at the, uh, at the dinner table after service, about the, you know, tapping into a directive from God. How many know He has all wisdom? Yes. How many believe He made you? Yes. How many believe that He has ordained your life? Yes. He knows exactly what's going on. Yes, he does. does that make sense? Yes. He made your body so He knows what to do. Yeah. 
He knows the season of life that you're in, and He knows exactly how to guide you. He has all wisdom. And let's say that we ask for Him. What exactly do we do in that, uh, in that time frame, in that period when we're believing God for the wisdom? I still believe this with all my heart. I've seen it happen so many times in our own life. One word from God can change your life forever. Say it with me. One word. One message. One directive. You asked him for it and he gave it to you, and you were bold enough to act on what he gave you. And it turned everything around. That's how the wisdom of God is. It's pregnant with power. Yes. You see this? The wisdom of God is not just a piece of information. When acted upon, it releases his dominion into that situation. I don't know about you, but I could use his dominion yes. <laughs> in my situation. In Colossians 2, Verse 2, Paul said, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So where are all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge deposited? In Christ. And who is deposited in you? Christ, Christ in you. You, yes. the hope of glory. Glory to God. So where are they? They're in Jesus. Well, they're they're in heaven. That's where the wisdom's at. Or you know, it's over here, or it's in so and so. No, Christ in you, the hope of glory. All the mysteries of knowledge and wisdom are hidden in Him. And this is what God showed Him years ago. He said, whenever I need to know what to do, say it with me, what to do. It's not enough to know about something. I need to do what? Right? If something's broken in your house, a lawnmower's not working, I don't need somebody to tell me all about that lawnmower. It's horsepower, it's me, how big the wheels are, who made it. I need to know what? How to fix it. That's what we're talking about, not just general knowledge here. How to fix a thing, how to deal with a thing. Here's what he said. He said... He would learn to ask that one thing, right? Um, what's one thing somebody in this room is needing wisdom in right now? Anybody? Nobody needs wisdom in this room. Okay. <laughs> wisdom for finance. <laughs> and you probably have a specific thing that you're... Stock market. Okay. And uh, does God know stocks? Yes, yes He does. Um, We've had many people that are spirit-filled brokers and God has blessed their lives profusely because they just weren't relying on what the technology and what the data showed. They were hearing from God on these things. Amen. So you say you take that thing and say, so Lord, I've got X amount to invest. I need to know where to put this. I need to know what action to take. So you make that prayer and then you pray in the Holy Spirit specifically over that, and you stay on that. Don't throw 15 more prayers into it. Don't throw 10 more things. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray about mom and them. I'm going to pray about this healing. I'm going to pray about No, you're praying about that one thing and focusing your faith on that one thing. And what he would say is, is just out of the blue, one day, maybe when you're about to drift off to sleep, and maybe when you first wake up, and maybe when you're driving down the road, and maybe when you're in church, it could be anywhere, because guess what? You don't have to be in church to receive the wisdom of God. And if you're just receiving the wisdom of God in church, it's not enough. 
you come in here and find out how I can apply the word of God to my life, you know, when I'm living out that rest of the week. And so he's focused on this. I got to, I need to know what to, where to put this. There's no basic interest rate in the banks. You know, nothing's good there. I need to put this there. What is, what is your will for this thing? What do you want me to do? And you pray in the spirit over that specific thing. And every time you think about it, you're praying to the Holy Ghost. And then one day, all of a sudden it hits you. Wham! Exactly what you're supposed to do. That is a wisdom download. It came from your Heavenly Father. And if you will do that, even if you have successive needs, you pray, you specifically pray for that thing. Lord, and in Rita's case, she was talking about her own health and she was praying about what to do. And that's all she's praying in the Holy Ghost about. Lord, I need to hear from you about what to do, what to do, what to do. I'm praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. Not, a, you know, 15,000 different things. I'm, I'm targeting this thing for the wisdom of God. And then she said the very next day, somebody called her and told her the very thing she'd been asking God. Look at somebody and say, it works. God is wanting to give us the wisdom of God. Why do we say that? Because when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're praying mysteries. But that doesn't mean they have to stay mysteries. It's not just interpretation for the church. There is the ability as a child of God to actually understand and download from what you're praying in the Holy Ghost the answer and the response from heaven if you'll stay on that thing. Most people don't know this, but that's how I came to this church. And I didn't know enough to explain it. All I can tell you is that 1985, I was praying around the dome over here. We just built those domes. And the pastor would give me a key, and I was out there about 11 o'clock one night, 1985. I can show you where I was at. And I'm just praying in what? I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And I didn't intentionally say, God, I need to know your will. I need to know your direction, your specific path for my life. i got all these things I think I'm supposed to do. What do you have for me? And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at somebody and say, praying in the Holy Ghost. I was laser focused in keeping with that revelation that God gave him, how to download that wisdom of God, valuing the wisdom of God, saying, I value it. Come on, say, I value it. I ask for it. Amen? And then you download it. And so there I am. And I'm telling you, as, 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 as clear as I'm standing before you today, I was, first of all, the first thing that happened, and when you're a Lutheran, you don't do courtesy falls in the Spirit. You don't go, oh, praise the Lord. Everybody's falling in the Holy Ghost, so I will too. Oh, no, 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 no. We resist. We resist steadfastly in the faith. There's this Baptist guy who's trying to get uh, baptized in the Holy Ghost one time. Everybody say, God bless the Baptist. <laughs> And uh, I told him that, uh, you know, the mechanics of it and how, you know, he's going to have to take his tongue and his lips and pray in the Holy Ghost. And, and I said, would you like me to pray for you? You know, and he said, yes. And the moment I laid hands on him, he went like this. I'm like, brother, that's not going to work. The Holy Ghost is not going to knock your teeth out so that you can now pray in the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to yield a little bit. <laughs> so we don't do this. Oh, Jesus. I said, the believers get you one year and he called preachers that Brother Creflo did. And I mean, their courtesy falls left you about, oh, Jesus. And I'm just standing there, Lutheran, like I had a sign over my head. Spirit-filled Lutheran, thank you very much. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't do them courtesy falls. It's real, though. And that night, uh, I was knocked off my feet just like this on my hands. There's no one around. There's no one to be around. There's nobody pushing me. It was just me. 
and the Spirit of God. After about an hour and a half of praying, the Holy Ghost is going around and around and around. And when he, uh, I mean, you know, this is important to, to a young person. Yeah. If you value God's will. Yes. Amen. Say, I value God's will. It should be just a few people in the body of Christ valuing God's will. That's right. We all should. That's right. And so I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. One thing, you know, not because I was trained to, but because I was so consumed with wanting God's will in my life. That was the prayer of my heart and the focus of me praying in the Spirit of God. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And wham, just fell out in the Holy Ghost like this. And being a good Lutheran, I started to try to push up, which didn't work very good. And I, he said these words to me, I have called you to pastor this church. And my first response to him was, we already have a pastor. <laughs> and he's a pretty good one. That's what I said to the Lord. Could you imagine that? I told the Lord he's a pretty good one. How generous. <laughs> but then he went on to finish the sentence and the discussion, all right? Because God does talk to his people. And you're not crazy if you think he does. Amen. He does. Thank God he does. Amen. Thank God he gives us a download. Yes, amen. And he went on to say, and I'm preparing you to do that. And that's what he did. He sent me from here uh, to graduate school to learn some things, to understand some things, and sent me on a pathway that, that really you know, took me out of my shell. One of the things he did is he made me in the PR office in the Assemblies of God the tour guide for the headquarters building. People came from all over the world to see the printing presses and the ministries. And you know, four or five times a day, I had to give a tour. Amen. And you'd be amazed who came through those doors to see, you know, what was going on in that particular organization. What was he doing with me was I was coming out of my shell. When you have to speak to 30, 40, 50 strangers four or five times a day and know what you're talking about, I mean, it was one of those training opportunities. But my point is, by focusing, laser beam focusing on that and praying to the Holy Ghost, he responded. And then, you know, years went by, and then it was 1990, we transitioned over here, and then 95, we were in Hopkinsville, and then 95, we came over here, and you guys haven't gotten rid of us yet, so praise the Lord. I guess it was God. <laughs> when I went to Hopkinsville, this lady looked at it and she said, I just want to know one thing. I said, what's that? Did God send you? Did God send you? And I just looked at her and I said, time will tell. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say, wisdom of God. And I know tonight, by, my, by, the, by the Spirit, the same Holy Ghost that spoke to me, that you're just as passionate about wanting to be in the perfect will of God. And for a season, you ought to just focus on that one prayer and pray in the Holy Ghost. Yes, other things are important. I'm not saying they're not. But I'm saying if you'll do this, you'll pray in the Holy Ghost mysteries. Watch this. That wisdom, because of Christ in you, only has to travel about 18 inches to your mind. Do you see this? Because all the wisdom and knowledge are in Him, and where is He? He's not out there. He's on the inside of you. Amen. And all it has to do is go from here, which is the source of it, to your ability to understand. Amen. And this is a day we really can't afford to miss God. Amen. But I'm telling you that uh, God is gathering eagles here. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. For this season. Yes. 
And uh, the devil would love to make some of you turkeys. It doesn't matter where you flop down. What town you live in, what church you go to, just flop. He's not interested in making you a turkey. He's interested in causing you to soar. So what does the devil mess with you about? Constantly trying to get you to flop. When he wants you to soar. I said he wants you to soar. I said he wants you to soar. God's looking for some mature people who just say, God... Not my will be done. But thine be done. Does that make sense? Yes. You're not your own. You're a bar with a price. To live is Christ. To die is gain. It's no longer we that live, but Christ that lives in us. Just for such a time as this. What we do, we have to do quickly. So you value his wisdom. Say, I value his wisdom. That I ask him for wisdom and then expect the download. I can't tell you when it will be. I mean, you know, uh, there are, God does deal with you in, in seemingly patterns. How I many do hear from God more likely before you fall asleep or when you first get up or whatever you're doing? People are different. Um, that's, that's most likely the way that word's going to come to you. Thank God for the wisdom of God. He is all wisdom. His character is wisdom, but he wants you to be imitators of God as dear children. Value it above all counsel. Value it above all counsel. Ask him. Amen? Focus like a laser beam on that with your prayer language and expect him to talk to you. Amen? Some of the, the Holy Ghost says God's talking to some of you right now. Amen? I know, Pastor, I just hung up on him. <laughs> One of the biggest things the devil will work against your mind about right now is your place in the body of Christ in these last days. Paul said in Corinthians that he sets the members of the body where he wants them. Turn to somebody and say what you want is completely immaterial. He does it. And watch this. How many of you like to finally get victory over something like that in your life? Just make a quality decision of which there is no retreat or any more discussion. Settle it. Got quiet. <laughs> Come on, say it. Settle it. Well, I don't know, you know, maybe God this and maybe God that. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God does not breed confusion in your life. You know that you know that you know that you know. Well, what do I do while I'm waiting for the wisdom of God? You stay put. You don't move or make adjustments or transitions on silence. Or assumptions. Say it, assumptions are never anointed. And it's also a mark of immaturity spiritually. A lot of people run their lives this way. Open door, closed door. If it's an open door, it's God. If it's a closed door, then it's not God. You know what I found out? I found out the devil knows how to open doors. And I know he also knows how to close them. 
This is why you got to be careful about the hyper-sovereignty teaching that's out there. That If it's open, it's God. If it's closed, it's God. No, if it's open, it could very well be the enemy. And if it's closed, sometimes you have to take your big size 12 and knock it down. Amen. Jericho was tightly shut up, the Bible says. Well, that must have been God's will. No. Tearing those walls down was God's will. And can you just imagine those people walking around, grumbling, complaining, murmuring? What in the world is he doing now? And I thought Moses was mad. This guy's a nut. Around we go. Around we go. And around we go. Uh, day four, what are we doing today? What's on the agenda? Around we go. And around we go. And you know what God told Joshua to tell them? Don't talk. Just shut up. Because they would absolutely destroy it with their mouths as they went around. And then at one point in time, they got to what? They got the shot. It was victory time. Glory to God. This is good counsel for you and for me as we're going around and around to be quiet. If you can't say anything biblical, don't say anything at all. Amen. Said, I value, I ask for, I download the wisdom of God. And it's coming to you. It's coming to you. How many need some wisdom on finances? Just raise your hand. How many wisdom on direction? Just raise your hand. How many dealing with a personal problem that's bothering you and you need to know exactly what to do? Raise your hand. He's got the wisdom for it. Don't live your Christian life being born again and saved, going to heaven and thinking, i got to take care of everything myself. No. Draw on the same power and the wisdom that's responsible for your salvation. Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today that your wisdom is accessible. It is available. You are. Your character, your very nature is wisdom. And you told us to be imitators of you as dear children. And you told us if we lacked wisdom to ask, that you would give it to us without a brain and liberally. And so we ask, Father, because we value it. We ask, Lord Jesus, and we expect to see as we just target our faith and pray in the Holy Ghost that you're giving us the download exactly what we're supposed to do in that particular area. We confess and declare that wisdom for finances is coming. That, that wisdom for direction is coming. Lord, that wisdom in a personal problem is coming. Lord, the wisdom to know what to do in every situation is ours. We lay hold of our faith because we do trust you. You know exactly what to do. And we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap and thank him for it. <laughs>